They're spooky. They're bitches. They're the spooky bitches of Lubbock. And they're coming to YouTube September 2019. Follow the Spooky Six as they navigate the alternative art scene in Lubbock, Texas. If you love Halloween, art, Lubbock, and the things that go bump in the night, follow the Spooky Six on Facebook and Instagram. They're not basic bitches. They're spooky bitches. I'm Andrew Farmer, as always, with me, the Jedi Cole Houston. Hello, everybody. We are still recovering from uh, last week, and uh, the um, the exclusives keep rolling on. Um, and <laughs> we're we're, we're going to have to do something tonight to get over this and not think about it anymore. So, Cole, do you have any ideas for us there? Well, I think the timing is right for some summer fun. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It is, uh, you know, we're we're well into summer now, and we're going to have some fun tonight. And there are a lot of different ways we could go with approaching summer fun, sure, uh, as we have in years past. Uh, so let's, uh, we're thinking, let's mix it up a little bit. Let's talk about something that was fun this summer. Yeah, and made a crap ton a. Uh, a giant chicken's worth of <laughs> cash for the Marvel Cinematic. Eighteen stones of chicken. That's right. Um, yeah, and I that's think we should. Such a serious in joke. That it's it's, it's all right. Funny. It's exactly for us, which is why we do. This that's show. right. Uh, no, I I think we should. Uh, the void, Bailey. I think we should get our make sure our passports are in order. I think we should uh, we should make sure that we're uh, vaccinated, and I think that we should. Uh, Go on a little vacation. Where where do you think we should go, Cole? I don't know. I think a uh, we should go really exotic and okay. perhaps have a, a European vacation, all I ever wanted, vacation, <laughs> hey, all I ever needed. Oh, I thought you were going to um, to go. Uh, I thought you were going to go Lindsey Buckingham on that ass. <laughs> oh, you know, I I will because we can go on a. A vacation on Holiday Road. Oh, 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 Holiday Road. Weirdest thing in the world that that's that was that was the almost the original Martha ing is when you told me that was Lindsey Buckingham. I never knew it, and it took me like four days for to really wrap my head around the fact that that was Lindsey Buckingham. No, yeah, yeah, and you know what's what's really serendipitous about that is you know we know somebody or, or at least know of somebody that went on a uh, went on a, a european vacation this year i think we should talk about that a little bit yeah i think we should uh we i think all of us uh who are comic book fans uh know somebody and, and we got invited along on their european vacation and got shanghai <laughs> 
And that is, of course, none other than one Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yes, or Night Monkey, if you will. Yeah, uh, that's true. Also, so, if that you... said, this is going to be spoiler-rich. Yes, if you. you didn't read the disclaimer uh, before you logged on, uh, this will be a spoiler-rich, uh, Night Monkey-rich episode of the show. Yeah, we'll hold nothing back. We, we don't hold anything back. We never do. So nothing's going to get held back. You're going to get to hear... Every little bit of of what we think and all the spoilers and everything that happened during Spider-Man Far From Home, because there were a lot of them. And Cole, you re- you wrote me pretty much immediately <laughs> upon seeing it, and I called you directly after seeing it, and we haven't really stopped. What's funny is we haven't really stopped talking about it. Like, every time we talk, we just kind of talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's time that for, for the sake of Cole and I, that we get this out of the way so that we can have a normal conversation again, because we were unable to do so for a while because of this movie. So I think it's time we got it out all out in the open. Um, so, yeah, what'd you think of the movie, man? I was, uh, you know, like you said, we just can't stop talking about it. it we haven't been this vocal uh and nonstop about anything since like the very first season of Daredevil. Oh God, the, I'd rather when, be talking when about we, Daredevil. When we, yeah, we just—that's all we could talk about for months. And this was perhaps the perfect Spider-Man film. And we're going to get into that in a big way down the line because right. we've got a, a some issues, a series of issues coming up. We're really going to get into the spider actors because each of them have a minimum of two films under their belt. Well, correct. And that's going to be good. But I think, so for my money, it, it bumped into, you know, we've done the shows where we've listed our top movies and people have given me no end to shit for <laughs> Iron Man three. And that's fine. This movie did not remove Iron Man three from, from the second place spot. It also didn't remove winter soldier from the first place spot. <laughs> but I will say this, it did move, handily into the number three spot in, in all of the Marvel movies. And I think, I think it's just, not only is it a great Spider-Man movie, it's a great movie. It's a John Hughes movie with Spider-Man in it, but it's also, you know, there was only missing Judd Nelson and, you know, a soundtrack with a song by squeeze. Um, But also, it did so much for the upcoming phase of the Marvel Universe. They, I think they jammed more into this movie to prepare us for what's coming than we can even fathom at this point. I think they know exactly what. Absolutely. And I, I think that this, what's amazing is, like you say, there's so many layers of little subtle things that open so many doors going forward. Mm-hmm. And there's... How they did that without getting unwieldy is nothing short of amazing. And then, you know, with with all of that subtle layering, there's also the underlying theme of, you know, the idea of Mysterio as being this sort of, you know, mystical entity or, uh, or hero or villain or whatever is – if you're familiar with the comics, Mysterio is an illusionist. That's his thing. Right. Yes. And ultimately, 
the illusions are jam-packed in this. It is so replete with illusions, it's insane. And it's so subtly done, you don't realize that it's being done. So, you know, as we go on our, our little European vacation, um, one of, I think, the, the greatest bit of sleight of hand in this is May Parker packing the spider suit. Oh, oh, yes. And thoughtlessly produce, because that could get you arrested. That was a great scene. But yeah, what's amazing about that is that you begin the film with a lot of soul searching about the loss of Tony Stark, who isn't a scroll, by the way, so shut up. That was Tony that died. <laughs> yeah, but leave we'll, it alone. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, hashtag let Tony go. Um, but, you know, you, you get these pervasive imagery of Iron Man and Tony Stark. And then what's wonderful is you get a glimpse at where Spider-Man is in the popular vernacular in that a kid traveling to Europe with his Spider-Man suit doesn't even, you know, bananas are more of a concern. Yeah. Well, than the yeah. spider suit because it's just some dumb hero worshiping kid bringing his Spider-Man pajamas into the country. Exactly. We've, we've reached that point in in the Marvel universe where you know people are uh, people are wearing Spider-Man suits like you wear a LeBron James jersey. You know that was a sports that was a sport reference. I, I I understood that only because there is actually a um, there was a, a comic book. Oh, about. King James. I thought, well, how pretentious. And somebody had to point out, someone, a sports person, pointed out that that's kind of his nickname. That's his nickname. I don't think he gave himself that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. It turned out, no, he was not. Also the, a fine the, actor. He's a fine really? actor. Yes, he's he's very amusing. He's a, he's a good comedic actor. Um, so but, uh, probably, I don't know how the, the King James comic compared to the um, oh, uh, Sir Charles Barkley and the Referee Murders. <laughs> <laughs> so, a couple of books to look out for in the in the dollar bins or whatever. Also, probably to look out for in Super Sports Balls twenty twenty when we, yes, right when we put that out there. Um, no, yes, absolutely. One of and my I think favorite. You need things. to look no further than the end of Avengers. Go on. You've got that. You've got that little montage going on at the end of Avengers where you see what the, you know the, the kids are out playing Avengers and the. Uh, disbelieving old men in the park and people getting their, you know, Avengers fades and stuff like that. Oh, sure. That, that all of the heroes of the Avengers were suddenly overnight sensations. Those Which, that weren't you know, already. Yeah. 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 So, you know, granted, if you help bring down a Satari invasion led by a, a trickster god, in all fairness, you should be an overnight sensation. But right. th this is, I think, by this point, you've established the ubiquitous nature of the American superhero community, and so nothing's surprising anymore. Sure, yeah. And I think that that's a great setup to walk into the next phase. But speaking to... Because what, what, what I loved about the movie as much as the fact that it was a Spider-Man movie and they introduced Mysterio 
and they had such a I don't often or always like the the movie take on a villain like Ulysses Clue was yeah. you know I think that you know I understand it and I'm willing to to divorce myself from all of the comics that I've read to to say this is a you know they had to do this in a very short amount of time and and get an investment you know all of the things that you say to yourself but I think you know for the parlance of what they were doing the way that they built Mysterio was fantastic but I love the fact that, like I said at the top, that this is essentially a teen movie that happens to be about superheroes the same way that, you know, Winter Soldier was a spy movie that happens to be about superheroes. Like, they they did the thing that we say that they need to do, which is take use the, use the superhero springboard to tell other stories. And they did it great. They did a great job with it. Yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, speak to, if you would, um, the idea, because, you know, this is following the events of, oh, one thing I do want to hear your take on, <coughs> we called it, it was called so many different things prior to this movie, it was called um, The Snap, The Decimation, all of these different things, what is your take on the name that they kind of officially land on in this movie? I like that because... It suggests so simply and perfectly where this event would fall in the public vernacular. And that is only those who were intimately involved would call it the snap. And so I really applaud them for not having the entire world call it the snap because how would you know? Yeah, right. You literally would have to be a part of it. You'd have to be an Avenger, basically, to know that snapping was involved. Right. And to call it the blip was rather clever because, you know, to everyone's perception, half of everything blipped out of existence. And then years later blipped back into existence. And this is, again, the layering that is so brilliant in this movie is in a few scenes, a handful of sentences here and there, you get the gravity of what the blip was all about. And that is that people were suddenly called back into existence so long after they disappeared that the rest of the world had gone on without them. Yeah, completely. And then suddenly they're back. And it's like, uh, especially in New York, I mean, if some of these folks had rent control, those places went fast. <laughs> and so I love the idea of the largesse of fundraising for the half of the population that's suddenly been blipped back into existence. And, and you know, you, you could go on forever with trying to give coverage of the rest of the world. But it does leave you wondering what, you know, good night, what what, what would be be like in the rest of the world? It, I really liked, and I've, I've seen a lot of bitching and complaining about it, right? But I really like the name The Blip because it does something, it does something else. And the other thing that it does is you want at this point 
to not the decimation is so and i'm going to use this term and it's not even the right term it's so negative right it it, it it's verbiage that invokes definitely invokes certain sentiments if i say the decimation um, yeah the blip isn't the blip is a term that that in the parlance of what we're doing and and you know it, it, we aren't talking about the greatest generation <laughs> you know what i'm t- you know we aren't ta- yeah. we aren't we aren't talking about d-day we're not talking about um what's the movie that just came out about the the battle in in the harbor um we're not i I forget the damn name of the movie but anyway you know we're talking about like midway or yeah it it wasn't midway it wasn't you know it it, it wasn't any of those things that we're talking about millennials naming something so yeah oh that's so true yeah of course they're gonna name it like the blip you know or you know the, the that's that's what you're going to name it it's not you want to move on you want to move past it you want to get on with your life. You can't consistently call it the decimation. You've got to call it something. That... Well, that and, and for the pedantic among us, it, the decimation is Latin for by an order of ten. <laughs> so <Damn> it... It. <laughs> that's for you, Kelly. So, so yes, I think it was a. I think it was a great name. I think it was a perfect name because it makes total sense for somebody to call it that five years later when they're trying to move oh you get the impression that's the name that stuck this is where things settled this is where they landed half a decade later and i i want to also point out again the the brilliantly layered uh means of conveying so much information and not doing a montage like they suggest you have to do in team america if you want to tell a lot of story and don't have a lot of time, you got to do a montage, or you can just do fun, wonderful, subtle things like the high school newscast, which was great. Which and you start great. out with another wonderfully brilliant little bit of layering that I'm sure confused the hell out of some people, where they're showing, of course, Tony Stark in memoriam, and then they have Captain America, and for the briefest split second, I'm like, why? Of course, that's why. Right. Because the rest of the world doesn't know what became of him. So the natural inclination, the natural thought process is he must be dead too. Right. It, there's just there's just so many and and the and the the montage at the beginning was so high school. Oh it was yes. Perfect. It was perfect. Like the transitions, all of that were Great. And then we find out we're smacked in the face by something that I don't I never considered. I don't know you and I have never had a conversation about it. So I don't know if either of us had considered it. And that is what does that do for the natural aging process when you're snapped out of existence? Oh, yes. Which was such a really interesting concept that the people that were snapped out didn't age. They were no matter what their age. I mean, we see primarily um kids and young adults in this context but the co- the suggestion is you know how much more like you know some like somebody that 
the newscaster would say, well, you know, this woman's 99 years young. Well, she's now, she's still 99 years young, five years later. Right. She's like 104 99. <laughs> so, yes. That that was like a thing that uh, immediately like they as soon as they dropped that it blew my mind. I was like, "There's no way!" Like that's such that's such an interesting concept to me that that's that that's where everything ends. Is, yes, is with these people coming back, and especially in high school when you're not grown, when you're when the difference between your freshman year and your junior year is six inches or seven inches. Yeah, is is such a such an interesting concept. Yeah, and the, and the also sort of being robbed of those five years. You know, you you come back and like your high school girlfriend is like married or a young mom. And, right. You know, you missed your chance because you're dicking around for five years in the non-life. <laughs> And you know it's it's worse than guys coming back from war. At least they were still stuff was still going on, right? And you know, and then all of a sudden you're willed back into existence because Tony had to have it his way. <laughs> I mean, I guess the the whole plan was to will everybody back into existence, regardless. But but that's what we're establishing, right? We're establishing a world after everybody's back. How weird it is, you know. The oh, what's that? I just had a brain fart. Oh, uh oh. Talking about how wonderfully layered this is for the next phase. I don't know if Cassie Lang was snapped out of existence or not. Okay. I don't remember if we got coverage, but what a brilliant way to advance her age. Yes. Her to the point where she can become stature and be at a reasonable age. Yeah, because she, she was twelve, she'd be seventeen or what have you. And mm-hmm. By the time everybody's back, it's absolutely true. And I think that's where we might be going in Ant Man and the Wasp and the Ghost and and uh, Chatty Louise. And it's it's going to be a long title. It's going to be like something out of Rick and Morty. I tell you right now. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we established the fact that they're in school. And, you know, everybody's there, everybody's, you know, all, all of your favorites from Homecoming are there. And the whole setup to the first act is they're going on a, they're going on a European vacation. Yeah. And the, and the curious thing is it's, it's like the science club vacation. Right. And of course, you know, granted the whole thing goes off the rails, but it just really seemed more like the science teachers were trying to go on a European junket. <laughs> well, you know, what we find out is later that this thing is totally funded and they don't have to worry about anything. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. They're just going on. There's At no that point, it's completely. Plan. Yeah. <laughs> this is just, you know, let's just have fun, kids. So, yeah, they get... <laughs> Uh, and this is where we get back to talking about uh, Aunt May suggesting that they pack her, that, that that Peter packs. Oh, by the way, something else that happens at this period of time that we <laughs> that we need to talk about is the fact that uh, we establish um, a canon movie 
MCU name for uh, the Spider Sense. Oh yes, the Peter Tingle. The Peter Tingle. In fact, I was so thrilled about that. I came home and pulled my old Peter Tingle vinyl records. Did you? I haven't listened to Peter Tingle in I don't know. He was huge. He was like the the post British invasion British, you know, like the third or fourth wave. Sure. By by that time, you know, there were so many British bands over here, nobody really took notice. But but Peter Tingle was really, I think at the forefront of that. He really was. I wish he would have gotten more recognition. Yeah. Well, he pretty much, th- th- he was uh, cited as being one of the uh, influences for Ulton Cuff. Eh? <laughs> well, who wasn't? Yeah, that's true. Everybody. In- we were influenced by everyone from Perry Como. <laughs> to Glenn Danzig. Perry Como to Glenn Danzig. You know, I bet you there's a decent cross-section there, but... There, there probably is. I just wanted to impress you by pulling Glenn Danzig you out did, of my hand. And you because did. he's been lodged in there for a long time. And you did. You shook it out. Now you never have to think about it again. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was... I, the, the Peter Tingle was great. Like, you know, that's what I'm saying is, you know... Short one apple pie and a lot more uh, costumes. <laughs> this could have been an American Pie movie. Yeah, that's true. Like that's that's the part I think was pretty cool. I, I think if it was a, a an American Pie type movie, you would have to have a nod to the old comic book hostess snack cake ads, you know, in lieu of the pie. Sure, sure. Um, but that's that was. I'll let you write your own jokes yeah, about that write one, your kids. Own jokes. Um, Think about what you're laughing at, ladies and gentlemen. Don't. That's right. But yeah, so the whole cast of characters, and we'll talk about um, the teachers later because oh, yeah. it's really, you know, like like you were saying, it's really interesting that the way that the blip has affected, you know, we get we get a real intimate look at the way blip, the blip has affected people all throughout this movie. They address it. They yes. don't just turn this into a superhero. We've got the kid who was nerdy and geeky before he was blipped out, you know, and and then and then comes back as as a like what what was it like a like he's like six foot tall or something like yeah. that, and, um, and like 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 good looking dude, like <laughs> so like an overnight allegory for uh for puberty. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then you have the the teachers who are really interesting, and you brought up a really really good point. Outside of um, outside of just being so so the one teacher the um, one of the science teachers, and I can't remember the actor's name now to to save my life, and it's going to kill me because I pulled it out of my ass the other day. Yes, you did. Um, but it, what one of them that I love that, that was Gilfoyle on um on the show that's on HBO that I can't, I am having a rough night pulling things out of my ass. Um, Glenn my, Danzig. My, it was, it was Glenn Danzig. My, my favorite thing about that character and what he, the way he established the blip in a very intimate way was in a very comedic way yes. is that he was talking about how his wife left him for her yoga instructor and said she was blipped. She's like, I, I she she let everyone believe that she was wiped out of existence and she ran off with her yoga instructor 
which is the, just the saddest thing in the world, but also super funny and would well, absolutely happen. Exactly. And I think that's the most human part of it is this is very much a superhero movie, but one of the things that Spider-Man needs to be, wants to be, is grounded you know, as your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, he wants to be the street level hero and he's been advanced into the character he is in comics half a century later. So it's sort of like if Peter Parker got bit by the radioactive spider and then the Avengers came a calling. Yeah. It's like, like immediately. Yeah. And it's just like, Whoa, Hey, hang on. Um, but this, there are so many ways that this with the other characters, grounds the story in its humanity and in its sort of street level origins, if you will. Yeah. And, and you were making a comment about, um, about the other science teacher that I thought was really, really interesting in the sense that, and I, and I'll let you speak to it more than it's, Oh, JB smooth. That's who it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the sense that, you know, how, how does that play out? Because I, I, I really liked your take on that. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, here is a guy who, I mean, he's not like Walter White, scientist who's now teaching high school. But still, I mean, if you're teaching science in high school, you have an affinity for the, the discipline. Right. You have an appreciation for what science is, and ideally you are imparting that to your students, the, the scientific methodology and not, and science is stepping away from the primal fear of the dark and discovering what nature is and not, you know, cowering from it. And then you get a lot of subtext with his character because he's seen so much. You get the impression that in all likelihood, he's been teaching in New York City for most, if not all, of his career. Sure. So what all the hell has happened in the last 10 years? That's true. You have to think about that you go from zero. You go from zero to a Shatari invasion and the sky opening up. Yeah, the ground And just raining giant snakes and skull-faced warriors on sky sleds. What kind of, you know, this is beyond the realization that the firmament isn't made of glass spheres. This uh, this isn't the Earth is no longer the center of the solar system type. This is beyond anything, any change anyone has ever had to accept. And you get a combination, you, you get a little bit of a setup with, you know, Thor was a myth, and now we study him in my physics class. Right. That at that point, the man of science is prepared to crawl back into the depths of his fearful, you know, of all of our fearful ancestry who were scratching on animal skins and uh, cowering in the rain. Right. Right, but and and what does he fall back on? Witchcraft. Yes, it has to be witches. It has. This is all witches. I mean, what's interesting is they're in Europe. You know, they're they're 
Well, they invented it there. Sure, but that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> you know, they're in Prague. They're in, you know, all and and they, this guy's just immediately like, it has to be witches. Yeah. Because, yeah, and and I think it's time to talk about why it has to be witches, because we have, after all of the events, in the on a world stage, we're introduced to. A country that we didn't know existed. <laughs> We're introduced to the fact that there are aliens among us um, and gods and a World War II soldier that should be long dead. Yeah. Um, you know, all the Hulk, all of these things are happening. You know, then all of a sudden we're confronted with all, you know, the majority of those Avengers being gone. So what do you do? Yeah. You know, what what what's your natural inclination is to find the next Iron Man, find yeah. the next Thor, because he's off planet for God knows how long. Hopefully, on, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully has a membership to a planet fitness somewhere. An or entire a fitness planet. planet. Yeah, exactly. A fitness planet. There's a there's a Galactus joke there. There really is. I'm into fitness planet. Fitness whole planet in my mouth. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> fitness whole planet. <laughs> in that's right. Um, oh my god, that was brilliant. So you gotta. So you've gotta. You you need Earth needs protection, and all of a sudden, this superhero shows up that has a combination of magic technology bravery um and yeah he's he's like a one-man avengers he's a one-man avengers and he's fighting the good fight against these elementals which by the way are representative of spider-man villains yes i thought that was a brilliant way to get some of the characters at least a nod because some of them aren't as marketable or as feasible in the sort of semi-possible universe of the Marvel Cinematic. They've done a good job of trying to strike a balance. And, you know, frankly, Hydro Man is not top of my list of Spider-Man villains that really needed to be explored cinematically. I would agree with that. So I'm willing to sacrifice Hydro Man on the altar of fake elemental. I would I would be willing to as well. Um, I think it would have made a good first act villain for a movie, but you're not going to get much mileage out of Hydro Man. You're yeah. not going to get much mileage out of Molten Man. Yes, exactly. I would have loved to have seen Molten Man with his flat top and his little uh, speedo. Yeah. I would have loved it at least once, but you're not going to get much mileage out of that. No, not at all. And, you know... The thing about it is you can do all of these nods because they were presented as elementals and still explore these Spider-Man villains. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't Molten Man, as we were led to believe by the toy line. It isn't necessarily Hydro Man or Sandman or other man. Uh, I think one was psych was human cyclone. Okay, and, that and, was it. Uh, and Sandman. And Sandman, yeah. Yeah. 
So you still have the potential there. And the other thing you still have the potential for, because I was prepared to be rather disappointed with this particular plot point, was, you know, we had talked earlier in the week about how, you know, you kind of know Mysterio is going to turn out to be a bad guy. He just has to be. Yeah. If they wouldn't have, it would have been a bigger turn than Mandarin and Iron Man 3. Yes. And then the multiverse turning out to be potentially BS. Potentially. That, yeah, because the, the first blush impression is that uh, the Beardo of Tomorrow has <laughs> has just sort of sold S.H.I.E.L.D., has sold Dick Fury on the idea of, well, you know, you have this blip, and, and then it caused a rift, and I came from part of this rift, and here's the whole story. But the reality is that when you get the big reveal and you find that Mysterio is more than just uh, Beck there, Quentin Beck, you find out it's the, the whole team. God damn, that was such a good call. That was, such yeah. Such a good call. Because it becomes, uh, you know, your suspension of disbelief uh, hangs by a, a much more tenuous thread when you have to imagine that he's done it all himself. And not only to right. have him on the team, but he's he's a great boss. He really is. He even gives his uh, cape fluffer the credit yeah, she deserves. Exactly. And uh, so what's fascinating there is that, yeah, he gets a um, – he's got this whole team available at his disposal, and that they're all connected to the Stark legacy in some way. Right. And the, and the reveal that there was a that there was a team was so, so was brilliant. Perfectly well played. The whole movie was well played, though. That's oh, that's so true. They did a great job. Like, you know, in the bar talking to Peter about, you know, uh, great power. Yeah. Great responsibility. The whole thing setting himself up to be the next Tony Stark for Peter. We find out later it's all a gambit to get a particular item. Um and, you know, Peter leaves and everyone in the bar is an actor. Everyone exactly. in the bar. The bar itself is an illusion. Is an illusion. And then, you know, they, oh, yeah, all they had to pony up for was maybe one drink. Maybe one. And you know maybe. they had more than that. Just Yeah. Well, I mean, they're thirsty people. They are. But they, uh, the fact that, though, that his team would have been easily connected they would know about the reality of a multiverse being identified mm -hmm. and that would have been like oh this is a gift from god this is exactly this was the missing piece right they were developing everything but how do we get how do we angle our new iron man our new how do we put ourselves on top What's the backstory? And you can imagine that backstories might have been jettisoned in favor of this thing that landed in their lap. So it made it a lot easier to present with knowledge that wouldn't be public knowledge that would seem to be unlikely 
you know, nobody would imagine an entire team behind this guy. No. The orchestration it would take. And he's, you know, probably arriving with some story about having just managed to escape the end of his world. And you're like, well, you know, we just found out there's a bunch of them, so. Right. I guess we're down, it's like infinity minus one. Sorry, dude. Well, wasn't it more, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, right? But wasn't it more, uh, the snap happened and the elementals made it to your earth, so I came after them to protect you from the same yeah, fate well, as mine. Yeah, well, because they've already destroyed mine, and so I had to follow them here and keep up the fight that other good heroes killed of my, my family, of course. Yeah. Of course. And I got martha Exactly. And I think that at first blush, it seems like, well, so much for the idea that the multiverse opens the door for X-Men and Fantastic Four. It's like, no, it's still there. That was the only thing that was real. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's the, the tremendous brilliance is the audience. A lot of the audience are going to go away thinking, oh, well, that was an illusion, too. But that is the illusion. Right. That's the, the illusion thing. is that you're going to leave the theater thinking that it was all part of everything that came out of that man's mouth was fake. But there was one massive and vitally important grain of truth, and that was the multiverse. Well, everything about the multiverse, he's nothing. Everything he is saying has a grain of truth because yeah. he's a good liar. He's an actor. Yeah. He's got to have a grain of truth to everything he's doing. The multiverse 100% exists. Yeah, it's like Reservoir Dogs where you have to get that story to the point where you live and breathe and it's it's a, a genuine memory. Right. So we have all these different players in the game. We have access to, you know, this crazy technology that we find out and that was one of the, my favorite things about this movie it was that montage of tony shitting on all of them yes or obadiah stain shitting on mm. them depending on you know who it was and i keep me to look if that was if, if those actors were actually I, in i know i want to go back movies. and watch and see if they were actually a I know Jake Gyllenhaal wasn't, but the other yeah. kind of tertiary actors, I really like, want to like go the, back and like look. the guy that gets kind of manhandled by Obadiah. To see if it was actually I just can't him. imagine I mean, how brilliant if that was the long game somebody thought we, they could play. So we should get this guy while we're developing the story. Let's get that same actor back. It was just a bit part for him. And yeah. let's, let's freak the fanboys out because how fucking cool. Right? It's not the first time they've done something like that. Yeah. You know, they brought that kid back from Iron Man 3 for the funeral. Oh, I know. I'm like, who is that creep? Oh, yeah. So, like, it wouldn't shock me even one bit if it was the actual actors from from the movies. But, you know, the, the I, I, I want to talk about the... Uh, anybody can go see it and, and draw their own conclusions as to the movie itself. But what I really want to do is talk about the, because what we have, what we established very quickly is that it's all a lie and it's all a lie to ingratiate himself to the people, basically, yes. you know, to show that, that, that they can do it better than Tony, who's their, their arch nemesis. Mm-hmm. Um, almost, almost in a fashion like the Riddler in modern, in the modern, modern parlance where, you know, Bruce Wayne fires the Riddler 
So the Riddler becomes the Riddler to show him how intelligent he is. It's almost that level. Yes. But I want to talk about the ruse within the ruse within the ruse. <laughs> um, because what we find out at the end of the movie, it almost needs Robert Downey Jr. to come back and be like, <laughs> I'm the dude playing the dude playing the other dude. Um, <laughs> because I, uh, what we find out at the end end of the movie was that Quentin Beck was playing Nick Fury and Maria Hill, who were in turn playing Quentin Beck because it wasn't Nick Fury and Maria yes. Hill. So, oh, yes. And, and how about that reveal? So many people left the theater after what they thought was the end credit scene. And I, I whipped my bladder into shape and held back. <laughs> oh, God. Like, and we, we talked about how interesting it was. And by the way, I just want to say this, you know, we, you and I talked about this and you, you stated this as well. And I think I, I, I agree with you that coming into this, we were unsure about Jake Gyllenhaal playing this role, but, yeah. but you made the point that anybody could play Mysterio as long as they play the character well. And I don't know if anybody could have done a better job. No, I know he was precisely the character actor you wanted for this character because he he's old enough to be you know a, a seasoned veteran of some sort of elemental war on his world and young enough to still be able to connect with peter but he's also a hell of an actor playing a hell of an actor so yes that's true he has that james mcavoy split thing <laughs> Where he's the, he he plays the two characters so perfectly. He plays the waiting for Guffman director of of his of his one man show so perfectly when he's directing his team and just this the, that that uh, that that like sociopathic streak that he has is great. <laughs> but then when he's you know when he's playing his clever ruse on you know nick and and maria and um and the guy the the russian guy with nikolai yes you know and poor nikolai poor nikolai and peter when he's playing his ruse on them um you know he is the the the, the universe lost last son of krypton beard you know, protector, take you under my wing, grizzled war veteran, calls him kid all the time. But yeah, he's like the what Powers Booth in your favorite film. Yes, yes, he is one hundred percent like Powers Booth in Red Dawn. Thank yeah, you're you. just waiting for Peter to say, "What's grazing fire?" <laughs> <laughs> the only person in the world who would get that line. Yes, one hundred percent. God damn it. Um, no, that's a, that's very, very apt. Yes. Okay. I'm with you. Excellent. So let's talk a little bit about the, the fun of the May Parker, Happy Hogan. Oh. The, the budding romance and, uh, and then you also have the, uh, the unexpected little fling with uh was it ned yes yes 
and you know the the fact that I, I think I posited this when we talked earlier is that even that illustrates the kind of illusion of high school love relationships. It does. Yes. Um, it was it, the uh, the the role reversal may happy, which by the way, one hundred percent support in movie terms. Oh like, yes. Like if you're gonna break with comic book continuity as large as they have with that consideration, you know, <laughs> make it first of all making May super hot. That's not. Oh fair. yeah. That's not fair. Yeah, they they so uh, miss you know uh, Riverdale Grundied that one. After after that, um, you know, all bets are off anyway. So, but the, they have the cutest relationship in the world. Um, <laughs> the fact they're trying to hide it from Spider-Man. Yes. Which I think is fantastic. Um, you know, I love the, I love the scene where he calls the charitable organization that May's working for the one that's raising <laughs> money and Happy's just there. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, what do you do? What, what do you do? Why are you there? He's like, I'm eating a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah, it's it's like what what just happened here? What did I just what did I just witness? And the whole time my happy has come into his own in such an awesome way. Yes. As as a, a, a shield agent as a character as a fully fleshed out character in the MCU. God damn, Favreau just can't do wrong, man. I know, it was absolutely brilliant. His line when Oh, he has a he has a ton of great lines, right? He's a great comedic actor, as we know from you know Swingers, and 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 he's a great dramatic actor. We we know that from Chef, but his his line when he's when he's like, hey hey, Nick Fury's gonna call you, and he's like, I don't wanna I don't wanna talk to Nick. Are you gonna ghost Nick Fury? You can't ghost Nick Fury because if you ghost Nick Fury, then Nick Fury calls me, and I don't wanna talk to Nick Fury. <laughs> that that exchange was great. Um, the ex- he's just it's just a great he's a great choice he's a great yes. choice well and you see happy get a chance to uh, really stand up and be the hero that his boss always was or boss became yes I and yes the, you know that was it, it, it sort of you get to see the culmination of his hero's journey um, and, you know right down to uh, you know, messing with historical artifacts to protect yourself against. <laughs> right. And I just love that Mary Jane takes the, the mace with her. Yes. Yes. I which ironically, that type of mace is a window mace, which oh, ties into it? the whole uh, Samuel L. Jackson thing. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Because yeah. they kept the mace behind a window. But there was the, the scene. I'll, I'll tell so, you this I, right now. I, I almost teared up. A couple times. The the one that almost got me was the scene when they were on the Quinjet and, you know, he's he's explaining to Spider-Man that, you know, what he needs to do is, you know, be the hero and and get out there and, and stop Quentin. And, you know, Spider-Man's <laughs> reaction is, well, I'm going to need I'm going to need a new suit. Yeah. And, and Happy's like, let me handle that. And, you know, the, the, the Tony Stark 3D printer opens up on the plane. Exactly. And he's back there 
Tony Starking it up, right? Like blowing up the schematics and trying it on the hands and immediately knows how to do it all. You know, he let's not forget that Peter Parker, if you're talking about comics, is like the tenth smartest person in the Marvel universe. Yeah. And and the look on Happy's face Oh, I know. That was, was the brilliantly one that played. God, almost almost got me because he was looking at Tony. Yes. You know, exactly. why do you think Tony chose you? That whole thing was mm-hmm. like the culmination of with great power comes great responsibility. It was such a well played John Hughes moment. You know, it was such a Ferris Bueller's Day Off Breakfast Club sixteen well, candles moment that Speaking you know, of suits the man who would be Night Monkey. Oh yeah, we got to I mean, we got like 10 minutes left. We should probably we should probably We, talk we need about to talk it. about the fact that out of necessity, he can't be Spider-Man outside of New York. Right. While Peter Parker is outside of New York and the only one who isn't around at any given time. And the what I loved about the suit is it looked crude. It looked ill, you know, like the gloves were fingerless because they had to be. They weren't the kind of tech that was necessary to work specifically with Spider-Man's powers. Right. And that it, it looked like something cobbled together because they did, they had a very little time and they don't have the Tony Stark fabricator machine. Right. You know, or they can just will things into existence. And uh, so that was a, a wonderful the, – the costuming, there were some brilliant choices in costuming, and that was certainly one of them. And another thing I want to touch on, and I, I really hope to God that I'm right about this because it seemed very deliberate to me. Okay. One of the things that bugged me about Nick Fury, there were, you know, little tells throughout the film. Right. And – a lot of it was Fury's behavior, uh, especially when he gets very sensitive about Captain Marvel. That was a huge tell. Yeah, and you, you're you kind of like, okay, what is up with Tony? But to me, it bugged me throughout the whole thing. It's like, man, they just, they were phoning it in on the hair care. <laughs> yes, you had mentioned that. And I think if you go back, if, you, if you've seen it and you're planning to go back, take a good look at Nick Fury's beard. And you're going to be thinking, wow, you know, that's the worst it's ever looked. He's let himself go. And why it just bugged me throughout the whole thing. And I think that the disheveled beard was a deliberate tell that Talos didn't quite get it a hundred percent. And I need to go back and look at it, see the movie again and look at Nick Fury when we get the big reveal on board the scroll ship. And see how pristine his beard compares. Yeah, I, I think that that's accurate. Because it also suggests that as well as a scroll can mimic, it will never be 100%. I, I do want to talk about the tells, because at the end what we find out, and you had mentioned as they're driving away in the damn SUV again, and my initial thought was as they're driving away, this SUV is going to wreck. Because we yeah. know we can't let we can't let Nick Fury near an SUV or some bad no, shit some, goes down. Nothing ever goes right. Um, I, best case scenario, you get that little gas tank light up on the uh-huh. console, and there's like nowhere. 
to get gas. Yeah, there's like nowhere around. But you, you would, just know that there's going to be trouble. But the, yeah, that's that's worth that's best case scenario. You had mentioned that as they're driving away, that you thought, man, Nick and Maria are getting oh, a little Maria close. Maria was getting the giving the doe eyes in a huge way. It looked like the romantic comedy, like third act. Yeah, you had mentioned that, and it didn't dawn on me. That didn't dawn on me, but you had mentioned those doe eyes, and so I think that was a pretty big tell. And then once you said that, like everybody's behavior was yeah the entire movie. I had mentioned to you that I was like, why was I was myself was thinking throughout the entire movie, why was Nick Fury so emotionally invested in Peter Parker? Yeah, like emotionally, he didn't get like I told you. I thought that you know he treated the Avengers like. I'm not saying that he didn't care, but he treated them like resources. That's his yeah. job. You know, he didn't he didn't ask, you know, Steve how he slept last night unless he was joking about it cuz Steve looked like shit. Yeah. You know, he he didn't care about that. He cared about protecting the earth, which is a 24-hour-a-day job. But, and yet when he's talking to Peter Parker, you know, Iron Man chose you. Are you going to step up and be an Avenger? Are you going to, you know, all this stuff just seemed really out of place. The way Maria Hill was acting seemed really out of place. And I couldn't put my finger on it until <laughs> that last scene. And then I'm like, oh, that all has to be on purpose. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, once you get that really doughy eyed look, then you are given the reveal because at that point, you just know right. something's up. I'm thinking, man, are they? Is everybody falling for everybody else in this picture? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that reveal was was that one took me completely off guard. Oh, I know. I never would have seen that coming, and and then to to have the fun with it, and then the next thing you see uh, to me was a an incredible nod to uh agents of shield yes because the first thing i'm thinking is wow that's a magical place yes thank you uh, it's tahiti right that's what i'm thinking is it, it had that vibe of the of the colson tahiti because it 100 percent had that vibe yeah i mean my conspiracy brain's like wait so colson died at the end of avengers we know that nick fury knows what the scrolls are and where yeah. the scrolls are long before the Avengers. Yeah, that's so true. If his main lieutenant and somebody he really, really cared about died in battle and there was a way to save him, do you not think he would use it? And oh my God, had, I didn't make that connection that that was scroll tech. If that was scroll tech, if that was scroll tech, did that is that what brought Colson back? Yeah. B, on a crazier scale, is Coulson even Coulson, or is Coulson a damn scroll? I think there's enough to suggest it's really Coulson, and I am I will always have issues with the whole robbing Coulson of his heroic death just so we can have a linchpin character for a show. Right. That will always stick in my craw, but, um, but I did like that kind of nod that, you know, the the Tahiti template is there for recreation as well as, you know, keeping a tortured, re slowly reanimated corpse uh, 
pacified. Which is, I mean... By Venus flytrap. I don't think that's a crazy thought. Yeah. I think that that... I think that... Because they literally showed it to us, right? Like... Yeah. They cut to a scene of Tahiti, and I'm like... My my thought immediately went back to Coulson. Immediately went back to the, those shots of him... You know, when he would have his weird flashbacks. Yeah. They would immediately go back to that. And then they pan out, and it's Nick Fury, and I'm like, what the hell is this? And then it's like a vacation. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit. And then, you know, and ultimately, when the the veil is pulled back, one of the other really remarkably fun things is, and this fits in with our theme here uh, with... uh, you know, the, the summer fun is that Nick Fury is the only one who gets a damn vacation out of all this. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I wonder how long it had been since he had one. Yeah, that's true as well. So a well-deserved vacation to be sure, but, uh, but a vacation nonetheless, yeah. uh, we got to wrap it up, Cole. You got any yeah, final we gotta, thoughts? We got to go on vacation from this. I really think that Marvel cinematic, continues to pull rabbits out of their hat to empire build in ways that unfortunately Warner will never do. Yeah. Warner is so afraid of appearing as a me too, or just simply doesn't get it. But every phase launches the next brilliantly. And this is a tremendous springboard into the next phase. And now you have a very problematic situation for Peter. Thanks to Mysterio's final gambit. He had basically, if he always had an ace up his sleeve, you know, like him insisting that they, if they can get the illusion back online, continue with it because they can always figure something out later. Do you think he's dead? Oh, I think so. Okay, so you think he's dead. I think that that was the kind of final wish, you know, because his team's still alive. Right. And, in fact, you had coverage of somebody downloading something or, you know, having something on a a data stick. So somebody, that was the final rabbit out of the hat. Well, I guess the thing to consider here is you don't need Quentin Beck. That's true. You need to be Mysterio. Mysterio. So that he was probably taking the Mysterio template with him. Mm-hmm. And the you know the capes vacuumed. Sure, it's ready to go. Yeah. All you need to have, find is a Quentin Beck shaped guy to slide into it. <laughs> Beck shaped. <guy. laughs> oh shit. But, and my final thought on this is. Another brilliant piece of costuming was the telemetry suit. Yes, yes. The the actual uh, the skeleton behind Mysterio in action from the Andy Circus collection was absolutely brilliant. I agree. Because it's exactly what he'd be wearing, what Jake Gyllenhaal would be wearing to do any motion capture. <laughs> And I thought, what a clever, because the better part of the audience are familiar with exactly what they're looking at. Right. And that's all 
the actual suit until he does public appearances needs to be. And I love the way he moves. I love the way he moves seamlessly for his audience from within the Mysterio suit to just walking out of it. Yes. In in the telemetry suit, he would walk through it. Like, I thought that was pretty brilliant in and of itself. Yeah. It was a great movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it. If you haven't seen it, why the hell are you you listening to this? You shouldn't have got to the point where we're telling you this, but that's on you. Go see it and then come back and listen to the show because it's, it's a great movie. We won't have stopped talking about it by the time that you get back here. So, um... We're going to be talking about this for a while. Was this the perfect topic for our summer fun episode this year? Uh, You know, a lot of times we just find goofy, fun things to talk about in comics. And this time we decided we're going to talk about something that was fun, that was comic related, that we needed to talk about. And our schedule for upcoming shows was never going to allow that. And once we get, like you said at the top of the show, once we get into... Um, a larger story arc, we will have more time to discuss this topic fully. Yes, indeed. We will be, uh, in fact, we have, uh, what, are, what is our, uh, we're going to have like a a regular uh, five-issue story arc coming up in a couple of issues. And uh, before that, or I mean, sorry, after, sometime after that, we are going to be exploring uh, next, actually next week, we have a, a kind of a fun little break before we get into some serious stuff uh we're gonna the eyes will have it next week yeah i'm into that that's gonna be fun with our Uh, eye powers eye powers yeah and then we have a great arc coming up that i've been really anxious for it to to finally rotate up on the queue but somewhere down the line we're going to uh celebrate the spider-man of cinema with a three-issue arc a special mini arc right? with uh, what, what did you call this one? Um, I'm tentatively calling it from, Oh, what's God damn it. I'm, I really can't think tonight. I don't know what's going on in my brain from Toby to Tom yeah. is what I was calling it. All of the various, um, our cinematic Spider-Man actors who, like I had mentioned earlier, all have at least, Two, these have at least two full feature feature films under well, their belt. I think that the point there is that without those Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, for all the the levels of crap that they're given, for whatever various reasons, we would not we would not be allowed or or be at the point where we could have the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies without those. So I think that I I think we need to look at that growth. And see, oh yeah, and, and see how far we've come, and also how, you know, I think there's an appreciation for those movies that's not there now. We can look back at them with a little bit of nostalgia. So, and also, you know, the kind of celebrate the actors, yeah, who brought Spider-Man to the big screen. One hundred percent, they're great. N- not always in the best plotted or written films, <laughs> but the, but the, you know, we there. There's a level of appreciation that sometimes is lacking for what these guys brought to these characters. Yeah. And I, I think that it's time we recognize that across three episodes. Um, all right. Well, why don't you plug us up and we'll get out of here. We've taken enough of these people time. They need to get out there and watch Spider-Man if they have it or think about yeah. the crap that we told them 
tonight because there was a lot there. That's right. Well, you can uh, I possibly or ideally you're listening to us over at the Jedi Cole Universe at JediCole.com. I am eventually going to have some more content than simply uh, this show, but we're, we're working on it. Um, you can uh, write to us at JCUmail at Yahoo.com. And uh, when you uh, if you want a little bit more uh Jedi Cole in your life, uh, be sure and check me out on my live show, the Rancor Pit Live, uh, live streaming Star Wars podcast, just over five years old now, and uh, we are uh, coming to you from DallasOnAir.com on the first and third Sundays of every month from 10.30 to 11.30 a.m. Central, and on the third Sunday of every month, Isle of Toys my uh, special toy show, and in fact, if you're listening to this, uh, next Sunday when Isle of Toys uh, airs live, we have a very special guest, one of the authors of Building an Empire, a an incredible book that explores Hasbro, or I'm sorry, Kenner rather, getting the Star Wars license in the 70s and the people who made that license into the toys that we love. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and if you want to find us on the uh, socials, it's at HK Comic Show pretty much across the board. Um, that's it. So uh, for Cole and myself and Night Monkey, um, <laughs> Night Monkey's great. Yeah, I mean, well played, Ned, well played. When are we going to get our uh, uh, our Night Monkey um, Marvel Legends figure? <laughs> yeah, I think what, what we need to see is maybe sometime later in the year when – people have had a chance to enjoy this in the cinema yes we need to have a two-pack with night monkey and ned i agree they just re-release the existing figure and give us ned just call it night monkey a lot of characters are getting their you know a lot of the the regular human characters Mm -hmm. are getting action figures now which is really cool i'd flat forgotten there's an exclusive with uh, mary jane Mm-hmm. And the uh, sweat uh, sweatshirt uh, Spidey. Yeah. And Let's the, do it. Let's see it. Yeah, we need to see that because we're getting Louise, for God's sake, That's with right. the uh, the portable pin building, which I think is a brilliant accessory. It's, they're, they're doing a great job. All right, Cole. We'll say good night to everybody. Good night, everybody. We'll uh, be back uh, very soon with the uh, some eyeball stuff going on. That's right. People eyes. People eyes. For the most part, people eyes. For the most yeah. part, people eyes. All right. See you next week. Say good night, Cole. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.